Good morning, friends. Very nice day to be together. Beautiful spring day here at Ananda Village. Thank you for coming, those of you who are here at the Temple of Light. And thank you also for those who are joining us online. It's a beautiful topic today, as Davy will explain to us. This is from Rays of the One Light. What is the best way to worship? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In chapter four of the Gospel of St. John, the woman of Samaria asked Jesus, <coughs> What is the best place to worship? This question might be expanded to include, what is the best church? What is the best religion? Is it important to go on pilgrimage to holy shrines? What is the best ritual? What is the best mantra or prayer? Jesus cut across all such questioning with his reply. The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It was not a matter that outward considerations of place, church, ritual, etc., are irrelevant, each person should find those practices and observations which are compatible with his own nature. One might say, with his own vibrations. Not everyone's natural path is the same. God sent different religions into the world to satisfy different human needs. The overarching concern, however, considering that the goal is to find God, is to include in one's worship daily inner communion with the Lord. God is silence. He must be sought, therefore, in inner silence. God is absolute love. He must be sought, therefore, in the silence of love. God is spirit, and thus immaterial. He must be sought above all in the expanding peace of deep meditation. Thus, the Bhagavad Gita states in the sixth chapter, sequestered should he sit, steadfastly meditating, solitary, his thoughts controlled, his passions laid away, from every craving for possessions freed. Wherever you are, whatever your outer beliefs and observances, seek God in the silence of your own soul. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om.
Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Well, this, as Sutish said, is a beautiful topic. What is the best way to worship? And first, let's stop a moment and ask ourselves, what is worship? And the word in English comes from Old English, which, which means to be worthy, same root, worship worthy. And it's, as it's commonly understood in English, this is dic dictionary definition, it means to give recognition to God that which he deserves. So we understand that. But it's also, worship has different meanings in different contexts. For example, in ancient Greek and ancient Hebrew, the word worship meant either to bow down or to lay one's face on the ground. So this idea of giving God the recognition he deserves, that's kind of formal, distant. Okay, I recognize that you deserve, that you're worthy of my recognition. And then to lay your face on the ground, it's kind of abject. You're, you're, it's distance. I'm not worthy of you. I, I cringe before you. And then in human terms, if you say, if a person worships another person, it's like to love them from afar, place them on a pedestal. Oh, they're so grand. I could, they could never consider me as someone that they would give love to. So all of these different contexts are at a distance that the, the, he or she who is worshiping is not worthy of that which is worshiped. And it's, it's formal, it's distant, it's, it's lacking a sense of intimacy that really is what true worship is. So let's see what, how Yogananda talks about worship in Whispers from Eternity. He says, Worship of God as sacred joy found in meditation. O Father, from joy I came, for joy I live, in joy will I melt again. Thou art sacred perennial joy, thou art the joy I seek, thou art the everlasting joy of the soul. Teach me to worship thee through the joy born of meditation. Balance my worship with good action and teach me to shun all false pleasures which, siren-like, call to me through my misguided senses. So Yoganandaji Master has a very different approach to worship. It's not, oh, you are so great and I'm so nothing, or putting on a pedestal or standing, distancing yourself from that which you worship, but he's saying, God is this, worship God as the sacred joy of meditation that you find within yourself. And that's, that's something that's doable, you know, not easy, but doable and, and, and something to strive for. So in the passage that Jyotish read, Swami gives us different tips. What are the best ways to worship? Master says this, but Swami gives us little 
insights into it as well. He said, worship God as silence, in silence. And this is so important. You know, even in human interaction, if you have a close friend or a loved one, the moments I found that are more precious aren't in the talking and the laughing. Those are all nice, of course. But the real precious moments is if you can just sit quietly and feel the other person's presence, understand who they are, give them your love silently. And so it is with God. If we still the noise, the restlessness within, then we begin to feel the divine silence, which permeates everything. That's why Master called his book of prayer demands whispers from eternity, whispers. We have to hear those, listen to them. And Swami Kriyananda, our beloved teacher and guide and founder of Ananda, he said that when visitors would come to the ashram where Master lived in Los Angeles, Mount Washington. Master would give them all sorts of wonderful teachings and stories and so forth to entertain them and engage them. But with the disciples, he didn't talk. He was silent. And one time, Swami, uh, he was new in Master's ashram, and he, was, he happened to find himself alone in Master's study. And he thought, oh, this is my chance. I can ask him questions. And so he said to him, uh, Master Guruji, what does Om sound like? And Master just looked at him and he went, mm. And then Swami was not going to let it go. So he said, well, how do you do the Om technique? And he goes, Master goes like this. And that's it. That was the teaching he got that day. But what Master was saying was, be still with me. Then you will know who I am, and you will feel God's presence. And you can worship me in that stillness. And it says in the Bible, be still and know that I am God. And sometimes you can, we're so fortunate beyond expression to live in this beautiful environment. And you can just go walk in nature sometimes, and you can hear the different birds making their wonderful little calls, or the little um, squirrels chattering in the trees, and all the wind in the leaves. And you can hear all that. But then you get quieter, and you can hear behind all that, there's a beautiful sound. But you have to be quiet to hear it. And it's in everyone in all of nature. And so Swamiji instructs us, worship God in silence, because God is silence. And then Swami also says, worship God as absolute love. Human love is variable, isn't it? Sometimes we get along really well with our friends and close ones. Sometimes it's a little more challenging. Sometimes our loved ones are no longer with us in the physical body. Does that mean that love doesn't exist anymore? Of course not. God is absolute love. He's the love behind. He's the source of the love that we feel in every expression, every single expression. And one time, again, Swamiji was with Master, and 
I believe it was out at Master's Desert Retreat, 29 Palms, and Master was dictating his, uh, the Gita commentaries, and at the end he stood up, he had been dictating for a while, and then he stood up, and he was a little unsteady on his feet, because he really w probably wasn't very much in his body, and Swamiji was thinking, teach me to love you as you love me. And Master, he didn't say it out loud, he was just thinking that, but Master could tell his thoughts, and he looked at him and he said, how couldn't a little cup hold the whole ocean? Meaning you have to expand your capacity to love in order to love me the way I love you. And so to expand our capacity to love, sometimes we've all been hurt in life, haven't we? We've all been disappointed by people or people have no, who we love are no longer in our life story for one reason or another and our hearts become a little protective, a little closed. We're not, we don't trust so much the security of loving. But if we look past the forms and just say, God, let my heart not have any boundaries, have any restrictions, let it just be open to your love. And that's the, in that beautiful affirmation we did on kindness, that to be a channel for an unlimited channel for kindness, no matter what, no matter what, no matter how people treat us. Master said the greatest miracle of love was when Christ was on the cross being crucified. And what did he say? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, there was no reaction, no, what jerks these are. They don't even know who I am and look what they're doing. It was just forgive them. They don't understand. And that kind of divine love that flows, that's how we worship. We can worship and the more we do that, the more we just let God flow through us, the more we feel that love with us, always surrounding us, blessing us. Swami Kriyananda, was a divine friend to everyone he met, every, be it a casual stranger or someone he had known for years. Some of you have heard the beautiful story when he was living in India, and he was old at the time, and traveling was hard on his body, and he was, his body was stiff after a long journey. And he, someone arranged for a young man uh, who would come to people's house and give him a massage. And so this young man was giving him a massage and Swami said, wouldn't it be easier for you if you had a massage table instead of just having me lie on the bed here, it'd be higher. And the man, you know, people live on such border of poverty in India. He said, oh, yes, sir, but I have three jobs and I have a wife and several children and I just can't afford that. And Swami said, oh, well, you go buy a massage table. First time he'd ever met the man, I will pay for it. And the man came back a few days later and he said, oh, sir, I can't ask you. They're quite expensive. How much are they? The man said, Swami opened his wallet and gave him the money. And the man just started crying. And he said, I was an orphan. I grew up on the streets. 
of this city of Delhi. I never knew love. I never knew family. I always, I always prayed to know the love of a father. And in your gift to me today, I know the love of a father. So just to be a channel for that love, that's how we worship God. Swami wasn't just giving that gift to that young man. He was doing it as an act of worship to the God in that man. And that's what we all can do. And then in that passage, Swami also talks about worshiping God as the peace born of meditation. And in that peace, in meditation, that meditation really is the source of it all. It's the source of tuning into silence. It's the source of tuning into love. People sometimes think, oh, meditation, okay, you do this technique and that technique, and you have to study this and study that. I remember the very, very first time in this lifetime that I tried to meditate. A friend of mine was getting the lessons from Self-Realization Fellowship in the mail, and he meditated. And I said, yeah, I'd like to learn how to meditate. And he said, well, OK, let's go to this church. So we, this was my last year of college. We went to a church on the campus of University of Wisconsin in Madison, as it happened. And I sat down to meditate. And I just was surrounded, filled with this sense of peace and expansion and joy. And I, we walked out of there, and I just said, oh, it's all inside yourself. And he said, oh, no, no, no. You have to take these lessons in the mail, and you have to study and read. And I got real disappointed, because I thought, oh, I thought I was onto something here. But it took me a little while to realize, no, no, no. Any little bit of meditation will awaken with you, in, within you a sense of peace, a sense of this divine love, a sense of the silence that all of these are God. And Swami speaks, and it's a wonderful term, and I like it better than the term worship. He speaks of inner communion, where your soul is joined with the God within you. And in inner communion, all things are given. There's a wonderful book, and I'll read just a very brief paragraph from it. It's called In Divine Friendship. It's 300 collected letters by Swami Kriyananda written to devotees on a huge variety of topics. If this is all we had of Swami's our life, we could be guided through our life. And I just want to mention, because her name never appears in this book, it was compiled by Nayaswami Naidruva. And it's a gift. And I really recommend you all to delve into it. But this is part of a letter. I read this on Thursday as we celebrated Swami's birthday. But I'll just read one paragraph from it, or two paragraphs. Swami says, one thing I'm finding as I stumble along this path, and that is an inner sight of myself surfacing occasionally, a higher reality that isn't me, Kriyananda, but something quite impersonal. Then it's as though Master's inner guidance weren't separate from what my own soul knows. 
spiritual advancement isn't a question of attaining anything, really. It's only a matter of opening wide the door to a state of conscious being that is ours already, hidden from us so long as our attention is focused elsewhere. As by regular meditation, the door gradually opens, ego and soul are able to work in closer cooperation together. It's such a, actually that paragraph is very profound and it's on page 167 in the book if you want to read the whole letter because it's, it's well worth meditating on. So often in meditation, we're distracted, aren't we? We're thinking about what we need to do and then we, that day or whatever. And then we think, oh my God, I'm not meditating. I have to focus, I have to focus. But this simple little phrase, as long as our attention is focused elsewhere, it's a great guide. Just say, oh, my attention has wandered. Let me bring it back gently, but with, with conscious effort. Don't, don't beat yourself up when the mind wanders. So that's what the mind does. That's all it knows how to do, is to be restless and to wander. And just say, okay, but I want my attention to be focused. Focused elsewhere. Focused on what? Focused on God, on his love, on his peace, on his silence, on his joy, all of the attributes of God. And then gently bring the mind back. Keep, don't let it wander, but keep it focused where it should be. That's all meditation is. It's just letting the mind kind of quiet down and focus our attention. And in that, that's when inner communion starts. And then we, in that quote from the Bible, it's the, uh, I guess it's from St. John, it said, Christ is speaking to the Lady of Samaria. We don't know who this lady is, but she's the Lady of Samaria. And she asked a question, and because of that, we have this wonderful teaching. So she said, where is the best place to worship? And Christ gives that response. But then he goes on and he looks at her and he said, ye know not what you worship. I know what I worship. And that's the point. As long as we use the traditional approach to worship, oh, you're so great and I'm so nothing, We'll never know what God really is. But in inner communion, when we feel the love and the peace and the joy and the divine silence, we know what we worship. We know it's real. And so true worshiping is knowing that God is within us, that he loves us unconditionally, no matter, you know, so often, oh, well, I did this mistake and I, I did that. And we think, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of God's love. God doesn't care. God's love for us is unconditional. And, it's, and the more we know that, the more we can accept that we are loved and we know that we are loved. That's the beauty of the spiritual life is step by step, we know what it is we are worshiping. Not at first, 
At first we don't. We have to kind of go through the form and the outer um, activities and training. But little by little, oh, I know. I know what it is. I know who you are. And I know that you love me. And in that knowing, be still and know that I am God. I know what it is I worship. They're telling us that, that's, that, in, that knowing is ours to be had if we just reopen our hearts up and say, I want this. I want to love you. I want to hear you. I want in the silence. I want to love you through the beauty of this world around you. I want to hear you in the silence. You know, Swamiji told us a few years before he passed, he said, you all should set the goal of finding liberation in this lifetime. And at first when he said that, I thought, that's a little, that's too much for me. I, I, it's a nice goal, but I don't think I can get there. But then time went on and time went on. And I, I, my attitude changed and I thought, maybe it's too big for me, but I want it. And that was a real breakthrough. I, I want this. And so if we can just know in ourselves, trust our own spiritual sincerity, we doubt it, we push it away, we don't accept it. But you wouldn't be sitting in this room, you wouldn't be practicing these teachings if there wasn't a deep inner calling to know God and to love God. And so what is the best way to worship? The beautiful chant that we chant, how will I, when will I worship thee, Lord my God, with every breath I breathe. With every breath you breathe, it can be a worship of the God within you and around you. So Master said, the time for knowing God has come. Let us worship him in spirit, in truth, in joy, in love, and let us be channels for that to all the world. God bless you. I've heard your flute high on a cloud. Your call I can't resist. Oh, let me come and play with you. We'll scatter music with the dew and sound the morning. I've heard you piping on a hill All else I've set aside Oh, let us dance the mountain peaks We'll skip with breezes on the creeks And soar the valleys
flute has called me to the fields. Now I've no place to live. Don't send me back, rejected friend. Whatever I call mine must end. All that I am, I give. I hear your call. In every tree, in every flower and stream, and sweetest melody of all, a song that heaven's joy.